Welcome to the podcast, College Matters, Alma Matters. We podcast personal college stories and all things college. Check us out and subscribe at almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. One of the most memorable things about Vanderbilt is actually the very first day you move in. Uh, Vanderbilt does a giant, recruits a giant move crew of upperclassmen, of teachers and other volunteers to come. And basically you drive up with whatever stuff you have and just hand it to people standing by your car. They take you up, they take you to your room and they're cheering, the mascot is there. I mean, it's incredible energy. Andrew McGuire is a graduate of Vanderbilt University with a bachelor's degree in American Studies and Psychology. Andrew liked and did well in AP Psychology in high school. It felt like a course he could pursue in college. At Vanderbilt, he took more courses in psychology, but midway through college, he discovered American studies, which appealed to his public sector interest. Andrew joins us today to tell us his undergraduate Vanderbilt story and share his learnings. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast. I would say that my, my university experience was sort of a tale of two halves. Mm-hmm. The, first, the first two years were, were a bit challenging, um, mm-hmm. especially in the social element. And then in the second two years, I found that I, I got much more comfortable and hit my stride in different ways. So pretty straightforward. Vanderbilt by far gave me the most financial aid. Uh-huh. And the story that you'll hear time and again, Vanderbilt students um, has an incredibly robust financial aid program that meets 100% of the financial need of families. Well, there were still some bumps in the road. You know, my intro to international politics class required us to memorize every country in the world <laughs> uh, by sight. Yeah. So we had to look at a map and know them all by heart. And uh, that proved a bit tricky and some of those intro you know science or or math classes sometimes trip me up but in general I felt pretty comfortable Mm. Um, in contrast I would say the social transition was a bit harder for me basically an orientation program that you would see in a lot of other colleges but this one is, is sort of unique in that you get to continue meeting with your orientation group every week for the entire first semester uh-huh. so I really appreciated that as a first-year student, and then I was able to serve as a, as a viewceptor, one of these orientation leaders, um, mm. for my other three years. You know, if you're mm. exceptional at one thing, of course, tell that story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if it seems like you're excellent at one thing at the expense of everything else and mm-hmm. having a bit of balance in your life, I'm not actually sure that that will excite Vanderbilt. Now, I'm sure you want to hear the entire podcast with Andrew. So without further ado, over to Andrew McGuire. Hello. Hey, Andrew. Hey. Welcome to our podcast, College Matters, Alma Matters. Thank you for having me. Super excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. So, um, I think as we talked about, um, we are um, 
catering to um, listeners typically um, who are aspiring international students and mm-hmm. um, these kind of personal stories uh, I'm hoping would inform and inspire them. And um, thanks for uh, making the time. I think this will be extremely beneficial. Yeah, happy to. Cool. So um, maybe we can get started and maybe start with sort of some broad brush impressions of Vanderbilt now. Um, Looking in the rear view mirror, um, what does it feel like? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'll start by saying that just overall, I'm really thankful for my experience at Vanderbilt University. Um, It has been a little while. I'm now nine years out of undergrad. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the the university has continued to change and evolve. But for me, um, it ended up working out really well. You know, I found it to be an ideal size, a pretty diverse place in interesting ways. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a campus that was really close to a really dynamic city in Nashville, which, which really was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say that my, my university experience was sort of a tale of two halves. Mm-hmm. The, first, the first two years were, were a bit challenging, um, mm-hmm. especially in the social element. And then in the second two years, I found that I, I got much more comfortable and hit my stride in different ways. So um, yeah, I think, you know, looking back, I see it in, in sort of that, that sense. So maybe before we dive in, let's uh, start with why you picked Vanderbilt. How did you end up going there? Yeah. So I think there's a distinction between why I applied in the first place and why I ended up choosing it. Um, Uh I I applied initially because I think it's a really good size. It's about 6,000 undergraduate students, which to me felt like, you know, a nice balance of being big enough that you were constantly meeting people, it was well-resourced, but still small enough that I was always seeing people I knew, you know, in the dining mm-hmm. halls or on campus. Right. Um, you know, I chose it because it was close to a city, but not completely urban. It sort of sits in it, almost in a suburb of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, so you still have that proximity to a lot going on, a lot of interesting culture, um, but it still felt like it had a true campus feel. Um, and then of course it had strong academics. Mm-hmm. And I had a sort of interesting point of view because I had spent most of my childhood growing up in the South. And when mm-hmm. I was a sophomore in high school, I moved to Boston. Mm-hmm. And so as I was applying for colleges, I felt uh, nostalgic, I guess, for the South in some way. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the schools I ended up applying to were also in the South. Um, so that was why I applied. Why I ended up saying yes was pretty straightforward. Vanderbilt by far gave me the most financial aid. Uh-huh. And the story that you'll hear time and again, Vanderbilt students um, it has an incredibly robust financial aid program that meets mm-hmm. 100% of the financial need of families. So this mm-hmm. was not merit-based. This was, this was need-based. Um, sure. And it was an offer I, I couldn't turn down. So that was why I said yes. What kind of interest did you have in high school? What were your passions and interests? You know, I think I was, I was a classically undecided high schooler. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I definitely excelled more in sort of the, the humanities and social sciences. I loved my English class. I liked writing. Uh-huh. I did not enjoy the math and science very much. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, 
So I definitely went into college very much open-minded and wanting kind of a true liberal arts experience and um, some room to explore. My personal interests were uh, somewhat global, I would say. My family is from Scotland originally, and so I always had a bit of a global point of view. And so I thought I might be interested in, you know, international relations in some way and did some work, um, you know, did some student clubs when I was in high school around that. So I thought maybe that might be the direction I would go, um, but I wasn't, I certainly wasn't sure about that. So you decide on Vanderbilt and you show up there. How's, how was that transition um, to college the first year in particular? Yeah, so I think the transition, I have a very different point of view when I talk about the academics compared to the social transition. Sure. For me, the academic transition was definitely pretty smooth. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I had the, the advantage of attending a public high school in Boston that had was just really well resourced. It was very focused on building sort of a culture of uh, sort of college going culture. Yeah. And so in doing that, they were modeling a lot of academic norms in the classroom around what a college classroom might be like, a lot mm-hmm. of analytical thinking, a lot of student participation, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, an expectation that you were sort of independently managing your time and your assignments. And mm-hmm. So I felt pretty well prepared by my high school experience. Mm-hmm. And I found that most of my college classes felt pretty similar mm-hmm. in terms of the rigor uh, that I had come to to know in high school. So in that sense, I, I managed pretty well. There were still some bumps in the road. You know, my intro to international politics class required us to memorize every country in the world uh, <laughs> by sight. Yeah. So we had to look at a map and know them all by heart. And uh, that proved a bit tricky. And some of those intro, you know, science or, or math classes sometimes tripped me up. But in general, I felt pretty comfortable. Mm. Um, in contrast, I would say the social transition was a bit harder for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never spent a lot of time away from my family before. Yeah. Um, and I was just not prepared in that sense, I think. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky to go to Vanderbilt with a, a few friends actually from my high school. And that proved to be a really important um, social outlet and um, definitely leaned into participating in a lot of different organizations on campus. And that's how mm-hmm. I made my social connections. But I found the dynamic on campus a little bit challenging with sort of the way people socialized, um, you know, a lot of focus on, on Greek life, you know, mm-hmm. different sororities and fraternities. So that proved pretty challenging when I first got there. I, I was really wasn't sure kind of how to, to adjust to all that. How were your uh, classmates and peers? Um, uh, how, how did you find the student body? Yeah, I think Vanderbilt's a really interesting place in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Vanderbilt is known, again, it's, it's sort of, um, well, I think every prestigious Southern University claims that they're the Harvard of the South, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I think Vanderbilt definitely also tries to make that claim. So it's a school that's, you know, has a lot of really bright students. Uh-huh. Um, but because it's in the South, it's also very, 
there's a lot of diversity of thought. So, you know, from a political perspective, the mm-hmm. student body when I was there was about 50-50, more liberal and more conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you found in classrooms a lot of really interesting debates that I think often don't happen in some of sort of the smaller liberal arts colleges you might find in New England, which tend to be primarily liberal, sure. you know, primarily left-leaning. Mm-hmm. I actually found that very interesting about class and I was actually thankful to have that diversity mm-hmm. uh, I found again as I mentioned earlier I also found that a lot of my classmates who maybe on the surface I wouldn't have guessed this right who who quote-unquote blend in well yeah um, who were also on a lot of financial aid like me mm-hmm. so I think you have a lot more socioeconomic uh, diversity on campus than maybe people's first impressions might be, right? Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt can be very, um, can f- seem a bit sort of overly polished, kind of materialistic. Yeah. You know, it's a very nice campus. They have a lot of money. You will definitely confront students who come from a lot of wealth. But I yeah. think that that sometimes masks a lot of the diversity you see in terms of people's socioeconomic backgrounds. And I think that brings an interesting uh, perspective. So. I found in general my classmates to be interesting. I found a lot of people who um, shared the same passions as me, but came at it from a different experience, whether that was a different political perspective, a different family background, um, a different major. But I did find that there was sort of just a shared commitment to learning, to engaging, um, and to being present and active in, on campus, You know, not just sort of having our head in the book at all times. Yeah. So, I appreciated that about the the sort of student body there. The classes, how was the teaching, the professors, how was that experience? Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, uh, every class is a little bit different. And there were some that I certainly liked a lot more than others. I think Mm -hmm. across the board, teachers are are super bright, I think pretty engaging. Um, It is a research institution. So you do have professors, you know, who are there, who are focused on research and teaching as well. And sometimes maybe their research dominates, but I didn't feel like any of my professors were um, uh, like burdened by teaching. I think I felt like people really did want to be there. They were interested in showing up and teaching and sharing their point of view with us. So I appreciated that. I felt like Mm -hmm. they they were really there for that. and yeah, in a few cases, I think, you know, some of the, the classes and some of the professors, uh, you know, shaped the trajectory of what my career would look like and, and shaped a lot of my thinking. And so in that, you know, for in those cases in particular, I'm super thankful. Sure. Now, since it was a smaller school, um, I, I gather the classes were not that big. I mean, even the introductory classes, right? Yeah, it varied. So some of the, you know, larger intro classes, you know, the largest class on campus, I think was 300 students. Yeah. Um, So that's sort of those large, the largest lecture hall was maxed out of that. Um, Most classes were around 30 students or so. I would say that's, that was the average with, you know, a a handful of smaller seminars. Um, I believe they still do a first year writing seminar, which is an intentionally small, you know, 10 to 15 student course. It's very writing, writing intensive and lots of different topics. So you get that uh, your first semester, which is really helpful. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a nice balance to some of the, you know, larger lectures that you might have in your first year. Let's kind of move over to um, the, the campus. You did mention about um, the transition and uh, the Greek life, but maybe we could just start with um, the dorms and the living, and then we can talk about social yeah. cultural activities. Yeah, sure. So uh, I, my class, uh, the class of 2012, was very spoiled at Vanderbilt because we uh, were the inaugural class for something called the Commons, mm-hmm. which at Vanderbilt is the first-year campus, essentially. So mm-hmm. they, they had initially launched in 2008 when I, when I got to Vanderbilt. It was the first year they opened the Commons, and these are nine new dorm buildings. Um, they were taking sort of a residential college approach where they had faculty um, and their families living in each of the dorms. Mm-hmm. So kind of grounding, you know, sort of that adult and faculty perspective and integrating that into the residential experience. Yeah. I think for us, we were seen as sort of the guinea pigs. And so yeah. that was kind of fun for us because we got to sort of shape the space in the way we wanted to see it. So the you know, how do we use the, the dining hall? How do we use the common areas we had available to us? How do we use the quad even? Um, uh-huh. And so I think that we were able to set it, sort of set the tone. Um, and that has carried over. They actually are sort of continuing to expand the residential college model to other upperclassmen dorms. So um, I think it's evidence that sort of the experiment of the commons has, has worked out pretty well for Vanderbilt. And I think it's a great, um, it's a great way to be sort of introduced to the campus. So I really appreciated that. And it was, uh-huh. it was nice to be the first ones there with brand new dorms. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, you know, the cultural organizations and other than the Greek system, um, yeah. I'm assuming there were lots of different clubs and things of that kind. For sure. Uh, tons of different clubs. You know, I think a lot of Vanderbilt students, sort of the, um, work hard, play hard mentality applied. And I think that sometimes we saw play, you know, not just in sort of the, the party atmosphere that you typically think of, but also in the clubs um, and, and student organizations we could be a part of. So mm-hmm. I know for me that student organizations were sort of my lifeline on campus, especially in my first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, most notably, I joined Model United Nations on campus and that just proved to be an amazing outlet where I got to meet really interesting people who cared about sort of global issues, um, really dynamic upperclassmen as well, who could sort of serve as mentors to me, make recommendations on different classes or um, what dorms to live in, what to do in Nashville. So that really helped me connect with the, the Vanderbilt community broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a group that, you know, I stayed in, it was really my strongest community on campus. Um, and uh, I eventually got to become the president of the group my final year. So um, that was definitely sort of the most consistent presence for me. Sure. Um, but there were a lot of others. You know, we had a program called ViewCept, which is basically a, a, an orientation program that you would see in a lot of other colleges. But this one is, is sort of unique in that you get to continue meeting with your orientation group every week for the entire first semester. Uh-huh. So. 
I really appreciated that as a first year student. And then I was able to serve as a, as a view scepter, one of these orientation leaders um, mm. for my other three years. And so um, that was a really fun way to, again, stay connected to incoming classes to provide a little bit of the lessons learned from my own experience at Vanderbilt and, you know, learn from a few of the mistakes I might've made and mm -hmm. kind of pass that down. Mm. But yeah, tons and tons of clubs, lots of, student government, um, different alternative uh, break trips that you could go on during some of the winter and spring breaks. So a lot of really interesting stuff happening on campus. Now, I also noticed that you were an operations manager at the Common Center. Um, what did that entail? Yeah, so that was this uh, ideal part-time job. And I would say whatever campus folks end up on, if you have an opportunity to work at a desk <laughs> at a different center, <laughs> that is the dream. Um, and so that's what I was able to do. It was basically sort of helping manage this common center, the student center we had. So mm -hmm. I was most of the time, you know, kind of manning the front desk, fielding different requests from students, um, giving out equipment for uh, like different rec rooms that we had, and then uh, also doing some event management. So we had lots of different speakers and things, and so helping set those up and make sure that those moves move smoothly. Um, but overall, it was nice because probably half the time I was getting paid to do my homework. Mm. Um, maybe not the most efficient use of, uh, or maybe not you know the most uh, productive homework time, let's say, but yeah. it was still nice to be able to do that. Um, on the clock and and that was encouraging it wasn't like i was i was secretly sure. doing it so that was a, a pretty nice setup for sure let's talk a little bit about your summers during the college years so what did you do the different years yeah so my first summer i worked at a summer camp um back home in boston you know mm -hmm. not a not a professional experience really just something sort of fun to make a little bit of money. I felt kind of after my first year that I just wanted to be back with friends and kind of decompress, you know, that your first year of college, even if it goes really well, is still a really intense experience. Sure. Um, so for me, I found it helpful to be able to go home and sort of just take it easy. Mm -hmm. um, but then my second and third summers, I worked at a program called NSLC, National mm -hmm. Student Leadership. Uh, mm -hmm. Council. So that was basically a, a summer program. Um, it was a residential program based in DC that brought high schoolers together for 10 day international diplomacy programs. So mm. basically, I continued doing Model UN through the summer, um, yeah. teaching different high schoolers about global development and international diplomacy, um, taking them to different embassies, to the UN, um, and diving into some different issues and learning about different countries around the world. So that was great. Um, I didn't really realize at the time that it was sort of setting me up for a career in global youth development, which is what mm -hmm. I did end up doing. Um, mm -hmm. But I did find that it was something I enjoyed. I got to be in a major city, I got to be living on a different college campus at American University. Mm -hmm. um, and so got to see just a very different side of things for the summers. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was a great experience. So really glad I had it. Did you do a study abroad program as well? I did. Um, so 
I would say this is one of the hands down best decisions I made in college. I imagine you hear that a lot for people who study yeah. abroad. Um, I studied in Copenhagen, Denmark for uh-huh. uh, the spring semester of my junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing program. It's still going strong today. They have a lot of different um, focus areas. I focused on international law and human rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the benefits of the program is you get to do a study tour for a week around your uh, focus, your kind of sort of major while you're there. Um, mm-hmm. So I got to travel to Kosovo for a week uh, and learn about sort of state building and peacekeeping in a post-conflict setting, which was really interesting. But broadly, I just love Denmark. I lived in a really interesting commune with 15 other Americans and then 100 Danish students. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was outside of the city. So we were really kind of our, in our own bubble. And I got to, you know, make amazing friends with a lot of Danes and felt like I was, I was learning about Denmark firsthand through my relationships with them. Um, so yeah, I, I loved it. I definitely felt hesitant before I went. Um, uh-huh. You know, I worried as I think a lot of people do when they make that decision about, you know, potentially sacrificing different on-campus opportunities. You know, I really wanted to make sure I was going to be able to be a leader on campus my final year. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, in the moment, it's really easy to get worked up about that. But um, whether or not I was elected to a certain position was much less important in the long run than having the experience of getting to be abroad, to be challenged by that, to be um, in a very different place. And it was an experience that also helped me sort of, uh, you know, get a job after college because I had that global experience that was um, important for, for my kind of work. So really, really glad that I did that for sure. You uh, majored in American studies and psychology. Was it a dual major or was it? um, No, two uh, separate. Two separate. Okay. (laughs) Now, um, how did you end up picking these? And um, was it something you went to college with? You said you were not quite sure. So um, how did this happen? Yeah. So I, I really stumbled into both of them, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. Psychology was a little bit more predictable. I took an AP psychology class my senior year of high school mm-hmm. and enjoyed it, had a really great professor, thought, you know, this might be something I should keep looking into. So I took um, a couple of psychology classes early on in college, mm-hmm. found that it was pretty interesting. I was also good at it and realized, I think, that I was pretty close to being able to have the major Mm -hmm. so I just took a few more classes and so um I kind of just fell into that one um Mm -hmm. it was interesting initially um and I will say that in the second half of my time at Vanderbilt I became less interested in it but I was Mm -hmm. so close to having the major already done that I kind of just finished it and, and checked those final boxes but a lot of people in the program would end up, you know, more on a psychology research path. And that was not one that I was, I was going down. Mm, Um, But I think it's, it's been helpful, you know, having sort of a a broader perspective of how people and organizations work is helpful. And and I think I got both of those from, from psych. Mm -hmm. Um, American studies though, was I think where my heart was. And Mm -hmm. I, 
I had never even heard of American studies before I went to Vanderbilt. So Mm -hmm. for folks who don't know what it is, it's an interdisciplinary uh, major that basically allows you to explore the history and the the current state of America from lots of different perspectives. So I took Mm -hmm. classes in history, in politics, in literature, uh, in Latin American studies about, you know, sort of America's position in the Mm -hmm. region. So Mm -hmm. lots of different points of view. And, but I came to all of this um, actually through my very first class in college, which was a writing seminar about America. And it was all about the role of the South in shaping American history, but it was taught Mm -hmm. by a British guy. Mm. And I just found that dynamic to be (laughs) so fascinating. And because my parents were Scottish, I think, you know, I appreciate that even more. And so, yeah. I don't know. I just, I, that really hooked me. I found the content really interesting. It allowed me the flexibility to take lots of different classes and, and learn from lots of different points of view. And so um, I really enjoyed that, that I ended up doing a, an honors thesis in American studies um, uh-huh. and focus on urban development um, processes and, and sort of urban planning. And yeah, just, you know, sort of was an, early introduction, I think, for me in sort of the policy and, um, and public sector that I, I continue to be involved in today. You know, before we move on, I wanted to ask you a question. You mentioned at the outset that it was like a, you know, 50-50 kind of experience. Yeah. You said the first half was not so great. The second half was fine. What what actually happened? I mean, uh, shed some light on that. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was, uh, you know, just sort of the personal development that you go through inevitably in college. I think it's just mm-hmm. unavoidable. It's such a intensive, consuming experience. You know, sometimes for better, oftentimes for better. I think, and and sometimes in a challenging way. And so I think for me, the social dynamic is really hard. I, I had a great group of friends in high school and I felt very connected to them. And so I think I felt a little bit disconnected in, in Vanderbilt early on. You know, I wasn't sure, just didn't find my footing quickly. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. found sort of the, the partying on campus to be something that I, I was social. I really like spending time with people. I'm an extrovert. I like you know, going out, going dancing, but I wasn't interested in like going to frat parties and uh, yeah. and drinking a lot. That yeah. just wasn't something that appealed to me. And so that was a hard niche to occupy sort of in the middle mm-hmm. where I wanted to be social and the people that I would socialize with were also the people who would most likely kind of seek out um, Greek life for some of their socializing. Yeah. So that, that became a challenge early on. Um, I think something that shifted for me, though, is that, A, that became less important as you got older. So I, mm. it kind of dominated freshman year because people were also, people who really wanted to participate in Greek life were worried about getting in and navigating all those dynamics. And once they did get into a sorority opportunity, it could be a bit all-consuming initially because they were so excited. And that all made sense. Um, But I think one of the, yeah, that just proved kind of challenging for those of us who weren't participating, but maybe, you know, 
but that's what a lot of our friends were doing. That became less important in our junior and senior year. I felt like we were able to um, focus more on exploring the community we were in, to go out in Nashville and go to concerts, um, to eat some of the incredible food that Nashville has and the food scene in Nashville has like boomed over the last uh, mm-hmm. decade, honestly, some incredible places. So I felt, I, I felt like that also allowed me to get more comfortable. I also felt more comfortable navigating some of the social dynamics and knew kind of what I was and wasn't comfortable with. And so I think that all just came with time with gaining a little bit more confidence in myself and sort of what I was trying to get out of my college experience and who I wanted to spend time with and how I wanted to spend that time. Um, So yeah, so I think, you know, it's not, there wasn't any one aha sort of light bulb moment, but definitely a gradual shift, I think, in the culture that I was a part of and sort of the priorities that me and my friends had at any given time in our college experience. Mm, got it. Got it. No, I just thought uh, it'd be good to double click and sort of yeah. see if there are learnings there for others or at least insights for people. Yeah, this, I mean, this is good. I, yeah, I think it's just, it's all to say that for me, you know, if you had asked, if I had had to do this interview, you know, six months into college, I would have had no perspective on where I was headed, you yeah. know, and on the kind of trajectory that I would be on and the kinds of things I would gain from my college experience. So I think it, it's, if nothing else, it's a sort of reminder to say, you know, take a deep breath. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the dynamics do continue to change over time. And, and we also change with that, that same time. So um, nothing is overly fixed. Moving forward, I, I, I kind of um, wanted to ask, and I like to do this, like a game, if you were mm-hmm. to kind of relive your Vanderbilt life, if you were able to do it again, a redo, what would it be like? What would you change or yeah. keep the same? You know, just wanted to get some thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, first off, I would have packed some spices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I grew up with very flavorful meals. My parents were great cooks and I was shocked by how bland the food was. So <laughs> lesson number one, especially folks, for folks coming from abroad, you know, bring some of your favorite uh, flavors of home with you. Um, But no, in sort of a a more substantive way, I think the biggest change I would make is probably changing my major. And I can Mm -hmm. only say that now based on where I've landed. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably would not have done a psychology degree I probably uh-huh. would have done something that um, was focused on policy or management, something that kind of gave me a little bit more practical skills. Psychology, mm-hmm. I think, offered you a good orientation to how people work, but it was sometimes hard to translate that really tangibly um, when I was you know, interviewing for jobs or, or trying to translate that experience, um, applying for grad school, what have you. Um, and then I also probably would have pushed myself harder on learning a new language. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vanderbilt does, well, they did when I was there, had a, a pretty minimal language requirement. 
So mm-hmm. I ended up just continuing French, which I was taking in high school. I was always bad at it. I continued to be bad at it in college, despite very patient professors. <laughs> so um, I probably would have tried to learn another language if I could do it over again. And then mm-hmm. I think on the social front, just like we were talking about already, um, I would have tried to just have a little less social anxiety in the early days to say yes a little bit more, to be a little bit more open-minded about experiences. I think I came in saying, you know, this is how I operate. This is the way I, I must be. And I think if I had offered myself a little bit more flexibility, it might have made the early days a little bit easier. Um, mm. So those are probably some things I would, would do differently now. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, that kind of dovetails nicely into what kind of advice you'd have for um, all those high schoolers out there, yeah. college bound. Definitely. So, you know, Vanderbilt has definitely changed. And so I, I want to acknowledge that. And I think I would be curious to, to hear what, you know, a current senior at Vanderbilt today would say. Um mm-hmm. But one thing that I think is still true is that Vanderbilt is all about balance. Mm. So, you know, I think that that the most successful people at Vanderbilt were able to both really thrive in an academic setting, have clarity in what you want to learn and how you want to apply that learning, but also Mm. are able to engage outside of the classroom in meaningful ways. Mm -hmm. So as much as you can in an application to Vanderbilt, I would say, you know, emphasize your balance. You know, if you're Mm -hmm. exceptional at one thing, of course, tell that story. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if it seems like you're excellent at one thing at the expense of everything else and Mm -hmm. having a bit of balance in your life, I'm not actually sure that that will excite Vanderbilt. That's just mm. from my point of view. I think that they want to see people who are, who are really well-rounded, um, who still have that passion and can clearly kind of invest in, in something. And so if you have a one project, definitely, definitely tell that story. But mm-hmm. somehow in your, in your application, sort of show how you can strike that balance. Um, and then, you know, when we were talking about what the student body is like, I think the student body has continued to be increasingly diverse. I think they've mm-hmm. tried to become more intentionally diverse in other ways, including around racial and ethnic experience. I think they've tried to become more global. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they have definitely greater outreach to queer and um, other LGBT students. And so I Mm -hmm. think there are greater resources on campus. So all of that I think is great. So, you know, in addition to the sort of diversity of thought that's on campus, there, there's increasing other identity diversity. But I think whatever you can do to show how you contribute to that diversity is important. And so if that's because you're bringing just a, a different perspective in thought, that's really valuable and Vanderbilt still cares about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that remains a priority for them. Uh, and then one small tactical piece is I would recommend doing an alumni interview if you're able to. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of programs, a lot of colleges offer this. I did alumni interviews for a few years. um, And I, first of all, just really enjoyed them. Super bright high schoolers out there applying to Vanderbilt. I think it's a good way to learn about Vanderbilt firsthand. Um, 
it's not a requirement in your application, but I think it offers a little bit more color. Mm -hmm. um, just gives one more perspective, you know, if they're not sure exactly who you are or how you might um, fit in on campus, how you sort of, what story you're gonna tell once you get here. Sometimes the alumni interview can just help add a little bit more um, nuance and detail there. Mm. Those are uh, quite a basket full of thoughts. Uh, very, very good. Uh, well, well thought through. Thank you for that. Okay, so I think we are sort of coming to the end of our podcast. Before mm -hmm. we sign off, I wanted to kind of give you a chance to talk about anything that might not have covered or expand more on something we've talked about or share some memories that you think might be worth sharing. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else to kind of expand on from what we've said, you know, just to reiterate that I think it's uh, the Vanderbilt's a really unique place. You know, I mm -hmm. had a lot of amazing memories there to your point, you know, I went on incredible, uh, again, actually I kept coming back to sort of the different organizations I participated in when I was reflecting on this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I got to travel on um, a lot of UN conferences all around the country and, and meet some amazing people and occasionally win an award or two, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But, you know, I, I loved getting to have that experience. I love my orientation weeks with different uh, orientation leaders. And, um, you know, one of the most memorable things about Vanderbilt is actually the very first day you move in. Uh, Vanderbilt does a giant, in, recruits a giant move crew of upperclassmen, of teachers and other volunteers to come. And basically you drive up with whatever stuff you have and just hand it to people standing by your car. They take you up, they take you to your room and they're cheering, the mascot is there. I mean, it's incredible energy. And I think that actually uh, is really representative of the energy that Vanderbilt offers. You know, there's support and enthusiasm and engagement across the board that um, I found to be true that I tried to contribute to and that I think um, perspective you know, students should think about how you want to contribute to that. And if that's, you know, kind of the, the vibe you're looking for, I think it's a, it's a great place to be. Fantastic. So, Andrew, this has been um, a pleasure. I really enjoyed this conversation. Appreciate your both generosity in terms of time and all the stories and the details. So thank you so much. Um, I'm Thanks for having me. Yeah, great. I'm sure we'll talk some more, but for now, thank you. Take care and be safe. Thank yeah. you. You too. Bye. Take care. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast with Andrew McGuire on Vanderbilt University. Andrew talks about his experience as a story of two halves. You can see his academic interest change from psychology to American studies in the second half, his social and emotional growth in his upper class years. Andrew's public sector future has been shaped heavily by his model UN activities, his summers and study abroad in Denmark. I hope Andrew's story gets Vanderbilt on your college list and research their programs on financial aid. 
For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash alma matters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you.